This is the Real Estate Foundation, your show for massive action with proven results. Raise your life and your legacy with real estate. Are you ready to take your multifamily game to the next level? Well, you need to join us October 12th, Saturday, October 12th, for our one-day multifamily foundation workshop. We're going to bring it to you live. We got a list of 15 speakers that are going to go through the process of everything it takes to get your mind right, get the deal right, learn the terms, understand the markets, learn how to find the deals, learn how to underwrite the deals, learn how to put your team together, everything from property managers to brokers to insurance companies. Beyond that, what's the proper way to raise funds for a deal and how to close a deal and what to do after you take over a deal. So it's going to be a huge event. It's going to be awesome for you to join us. Got a great space. It's going to be here in New Jersey, in Springfield, New Jersey. Of course, it's going to be a one-day event, but we got everything packed in from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Right now, if you put in the code workshop, you're going to get a special discount. And again, that code is workshop, but you need to go to multifamilyfoundationworkshop.com. Again, www.multifamilyfoundationworkshop.com and go fast because we've sold a ton of tickets for this. I actually was able to get a bigger room, so but that's filling up quickly as well. So again, www.multifamilyfoundationworkshop.com. Put in the code uh, workshop. There we go. Got that down and look forward to seeing you so we can all take massive action together. Thanks for checking back in with us. We have a super guest today. We're going to touch on a lot of things. We have a lot that we can cover today, but Damian Lupo is on the show with us. Hey, Damian, how are you? Hey, Jason. I'm doing real good, man. It's good to see you. Good, good. So Damien and I were talking a little bit offline. We, we uh, were a little delayed because a truck decided to run into our office literally just run into the office. But in that fact, no one's hurt. We're, we're in good shapes. But Damien is obliged. We're, we're here and we're ready to take, take this and make this happen. And Damien is a professional real estate investor, serial entrepreneur, started 50 plus companies. Now, if I stuttered, that was 50, just so you're sure. And best-selling author of 11 books. He's a four-time college dropout. I like this. We do this in series of numbers here. Who actually got thrown out of one of the schools for opening a bookstore, bookstore in the dorm room, putting the official store into bankruptcy. And he became a millionaire, multimillionaire by the age of 25, and then lost his 20 million empire by the age of 30. He rebuilt his entire fortune, totally reinvented, and today lives inside a mission to free people Free, uh, free a million people from financial bondage. And he even brought his first rental house with a visa, a move that snowballed his own into owning 150 rental houses in seven states in less than five years. So, man, we got a lot we can unravel there. But why don't you fill in what I missed there? Tell us, who is Damian Lupo? Because, I mean, we got a lot we could really cover here. And I'm just tired listening to all that stuff. Like, it's like, I feel exhausted. Like, I need a nap thinking about all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's funny because it's almost incomprehensible to think about like 50 companies, but all that tells you is I know a lot of ways to do them wrong. And, and when uh, the, the book that just came out called Unicornomics is, is really a lot of the insider stuff on how to build a company. And it's not just, hey, I read some stuff or did an MBA. It's I've done it all wrong and I've learned. And so launching companies now, there's a formula for it. And that's what this is. It's a formula. And if you miss that, it's called the foundational 15%. And it's, it's really the, it's the context of, of how you are structuring, how you're thinking. And that's the way that you have to start anything, whether you're an investor or a business person. If you don't have the, your context, if you don't have your philosophy, your personal philosophy, as, as uh, my mentor and long gone, but uh, Jim Rohn would say, your personal philosophy, what is that? 
And that's kind of the foundational 15% as a human being. And then in business, if you have that, you have an 85% likelihood of success. If you don't have that, you're dead. And so I just spent a lot of time figuring a lot of that stuff out by going out there and bleeding in the streets. And I think that that's what makes me different. I'm willing to bleed a lot more than most of the population. So with the 50 companies you started, what, what is one of the underlying factors that was time and time again seen in companies that were able to perform at a higher level or better than the other ones? So it really comes down to culture of the company and the culture comes from a mission. Like what is, what is it that you're doing to serve other people? Because business is about interacting with people. The problem I think a lot of people have is they, they focus on a transactional type of business where they say, okay, I'm going to make money for doing this thing. And it's just going to be, when, when am I going to sell the next thing? Instead of saying, what's the mission that's driving us? Because in today's day and age, you have to be willing and able to pivot. And if you can pivot with different tools and stick within your mission, then your mission continues and you're not constantly shutting things down. But that's what happens if you don't have a mission driving. If it's just, hey, we've got a cool tool or we're going to go flip a house or whatever we're doing. <laughs> if that changes, which it always does as you know, the economy cycles and everything else, if you're not driven by something more than just that transaction or just by the dollars, you are in serious trouble. A mission can push you through anything. And that's, that's the thing I've seen with, with businesses that come and go, you see them and you go, well, who are you? And if you can't answer that, who you are, and then really the people around you don't know who they are and there's no real culture that's sticky. It's just a bunch of people that are kind of assassins versus, versus a, a, a team, like, you know, special ops. When you think about Navy SEALs, they're, they're one unit because they've got a culture of connection and they have a clear mission and their values and, and like there's an objective. So we ha that's why you come back to this foundational 15%. You've got to start with that foundation or you're on quicksand. So when you're thinking about your business, you're building it out and then you start to put it into action. You, you talked about uh, pivoting, right? And pivoting is a factor that sometimes people just do it too much because they don't let the, 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 they, I guess the project evolve, but on the other stance, like, like the blockbuster effect, they, they just refuse to pivot. Is there a point where it makes sense to pivot or is there, there's something that you look for in the read to say, okay, this is the time we need to pivot. So what we, it's funny because when you and I were talking offline a little bit, one of the things that the question is, are you crazy or are you just patient? And, and so being a farmer, you have to be patient and there are seasons to things People that get in trouble are hunters and they get frustrated because things don't happen fast enough. But then there are people that are literally delusional because they go, well, if I just hold on like the blockbuster, like, hello, technology has changed things. And part of this is that you've got to have a team around you. I like to go for the bald mentors, like, you know, I'm now bald, but it's people that are bald that have been out long enough to where they've seen the cycles, they've seen recessions, they've, they've come and got, you know, had companies, lost companies. And so they see around the corner when, as an entrepreneur, we're just like super optimistic. It's, it's, we have to be optimistic. You also need, there's a great book by John Maxwell called thinking for a change. And this is when I lost $20 million, it was because I was just Mr. Optimist. I didn't have pragmatic or realistic thinking. You've got to have different types of thinking and that it, you're not going to have that if you're the entrepreneur, cause you've got to be the visionary. So how do you get it? You have bald people around you that can give you perspective and then you need to be able to trust them because their experience will lead the way. So that's how you, you know, when it's, and then sometimes you literally just have to be willing to be crazy and say, I'm going to be on my own. I've had companies where I had a whole team. Everybody disagreed with me. They all went away. I kept going. I pushed it a year later. It exploded. So it's, hmm. there's there a bit of a crazy factor with entrepreneurs and investors. You have to be willing to stand alone sometimes. So when you, when you lose $20 million, 
it, how do you find yourself again? For someone out there who hopefully hasn't lost that amount of money or but's maybe going through a rough patch and just, just feeling like they can't or they won't, what was a deciding factor to put you right back on track? Well, there, there, I guarantee you there was no right back on track. There was like a number of years where I was sitting sure. there in a fetal position sucking my thumb in the corner. I mean, it was like, it was pretty brutal. Yeah. The, the key to getting over that and through it, whether it's 20 million or $20, like if it's your last 20 bucks and you're on the street and you're begging for some change, I mean, it's, it's still all you got. And the, the way you get past that is community. It's connection. Uh, when I went through it, I had disconnected. So all I had was my bank account. I didn't really have many close people. And so losing that, I didn't have anything. I mean, I didn't even have my identity because it was all my money. So I think the, the key to getting past that is having people around you that support you and actually like you with or without money and can also give you perspective and, and help you kind of pull you up because it's, it's pretty de- deflating when you lose everything you got. I've done it three times. It doesn't get better. Like it does get less emotional because when it happens, you just go, okay, okay, I learned something there. And that's wealth. It's wealth is not cash, not cash flow. It's, it's not houses or cars. It's literally the lessons that you learn. The more you do, this is something I learned from Kiyosaki, Robert Kiyosaki, when we were on a boat uh, earlier this year. And he said, you know, the, you're wealthier because you went out and you learned things because you screwed them up. So yeah. I and I'm like one of the wealthiest people out there then because I screw everything up. Like I've yeah. gone through hell and back and, and that it's true. It's, it's not a, it's a badge of honor. It's, it's not a scarlet letter. Yeah. You learn on the way down, you learn on the way up, but you rarely learn at the top right? You're at the top and you're saying, okay, it's, it's on, it's on a transition points. Would be, would there be some definitive factors that have stood out that have resonated with you when, when you've had these losses that what, what are some solid learning points you've been able to pull from them? I mean, when I mean, truly disconnecting, so the problem with the, the learnings is when you're, when your ego gets all wound up and when you, you truly believe that you are the thing, and it, as an entrepreneur, you almost have to be the thing because you have to be willing to commit to it and then and embody it. So when it flops, you know, you feel like you're an idiot. And, and so disconnecting from that and just and asking better questions. So the question I always like to ask, and it was the central theme with Reinvented Life that I wrote about back in 2012, and it is my process of recovering from all this mess was asking the question, what is true? And so I think that that's the, the key, the seminal question for Anybody that's going through crisis asking what is true, whether it's the divorce or a death or your company fails or you lose all your money or whatever's going on, what is true? And it helps you boil down and go into a place where you can figure out who you are. And then you realize, well, what is true is that I'm not this company and I'm still a good person. Hmm. Something that really hit me recently was I was, reading a, I was reading a book and it was talking about how when we feel like we've messed something up with other people and we've, we've wronged them, there's a part of us that oftentimes wants to seek revenge on ourselves on behalf of them. And so we end up sabotaging ourselves going forward to do the right thing by somebody else. And it's a really crazy way that I see people and I go, why are you sabotaging? Why don't you actually do the thing? Like you need to sign your name right here and you make $80,000 and they won't do it. They won't get out of their house. It's because of this inner brain damage that we've done to ourselves, and we're sabotaging. So just being aware of that when you ask what is true it really starts to go down. And I think it's, it's critical that you have somebody else that can see what you can't see because we cannot see ourselves swing. And that's, the, that's one of the keys for anybody at any point, having somebody around you that can ask questions and pull that stuff out of you that you can't see. And, and that's so true, right? And so we, we all, it's like you have the fuel, fuel, 
fear of failure, but also the fear of success. And, and sometimes you don't even, everybody wants success, but also is just afraid of it, but don't actually put that on paper, right? You say, oh, I want a million dollars, but then you won't do something that's just ultimately, like, like you said, going to sign on dotted line and get 80,000 hours right there. You'll just say, uh, I'll come over in an hour or something of that magnitude. It's just like something to parlay it where it's so right in front of you just because you're in this box and you're stuck in that box. It, for people that are in a situation here where, where they're, they're stuck in that box, it, it, what's some habits they need to change? What are some underlying factors they need to change in their daily life or, or maybe their mental aptitude just to be able to get themselves past that point of, of failure? The, the, the biggest problem I see with people in general and the biggest reason they're stuck is because of the environmental factors. So the people that are around us and our, our space that we're in, it's either toxic or they're toxic. They are, we become, I mean, we've heard this in different forms, but we become the average of people. I mean, in every way, physically, if you have a bunch of fat friends, you're going to end up being fat. That's just how it works. If you're around a bunch of broke people, you're going to be, you take their income, you take their net worth and average it out to five or six people you're around. That's what yours is. So if you want something different, you've got to be really honest. Are you willing to change the people, the influences? Because it's like, it's, we call it osmotic adaption in the book. And it's, we, we, we absorb these people. And here's, here's why we do this. And when you look back at, at, um, at sociology and you understand the dynamics of humans, we do this to blend in. It's a tribal thing because if we don't blend in, we stick out. If we stick out, we're, we're on the outside and we're going to be eaten by a tiger. So we want to be alike the people so we can blend in and not get eaten. And so we carry this forward and we sabotage ourselves to the level. It's like the least common denominator. Whoever's doing the least, we're going to kind of blend in down there. When we pop out, that's why people tear people down. They, they have success and they go, oh, you know, they did this or they, they're so yeah. whatever. We, we have to be conscious about what we're around. And, and that comes down to the people. And it's hard, man. When, when you're thinking about the people you're around, you're like, well, it's my family. And I go, yeah, well, do you want to be that way or do you want something different? And if you... If you want to make a million or you want to be financially free or whatever it is, then you're not doing it. It's because you want something else more. You want the security of being around your tribe because part of you is afraid that you're going to die if you don't do it. So someone's here in, I don't know, middle America listening today or, or so, somewhere that's a little more remote and just says, well, that's all I have around me. You have any suggestions for people to expand their network? Yeah. So there's, there's two things that, that I think are, are really pretty simple nowadays. One is, is called meetup. I mean, everybody's caught, heard of meetup and there's a meetup for everything. Yeah. There's, so there's different, different ways of thinking. I, I get energized when I'm around a certain group of people. And so I love going to those type of events. And the other thing is there's a lot of seminar type of education for all sorts of things. Uh, Brendan Bouchard has done a great job at creating this whole industry. I think he's a huge influencer where People are, are teaching from their expertise, their space. And so now you can go and learn about, you know, kitty litter knitting in the middle of Nebraska, and you're going to be around all the people that love that stuff. And so whatever your niche is, whatever gets you excited, you don't have to be stuck with people that think you're crazy. You can go find your people, you know, your, your tribe right. and, and investing that time in that stuff. To me, that's where you, you start to shift, but you've got to physically get your butt out of your seat and your comfort zone and move into a place where other people actually get you. What, in terms of Damian Lupo, is, is your core focus today? What are you, what are you tracing into? What's getting you excited? It, it's, a, it's about breaking the, breaking the financial bond, the bondage. I mean, people have, have these shackles on themselves in every different way, whether they've put the shackles on themselves. And I think most of us have put financial shackles on our, ourselves just with our thinking, the way we grew up, our parents, society. 
And we just do things a certain way because we're effectively brainwashed. And so the, the mission is, is to really open people up to the truth. I mean, one of the things that, that Chris Ashby and I are doing on, uh, on our, our podcast, Financial Underdogs, is teaching people about the raw truth about the numbers. You know, I hear a lot of people talking about how they want to do something. Like they, they live in the, on this island of someday. You know, someday I'll do this. And, and, and then the question is, why someday? Why not today or tomorrow or next month? They go, well, because I have to wait until I retire. And, and when you ask a different question, well, what does it actually cost for that thing? And it turns out it's 6,000 bucks. It's like, wait, I could do that next year. I don't need to wait until I'm 60. Most things in life, we get obsessed with owning them instead of the experience of having the experience. And so we put things off. And then what happens to most people is what happened to my dad. A month before he died, he looked at me and he said, you know what? There were so many things that I wanted to do. And that was regret. That was somebody that never had the question, what does it actually take? And he had the resources to do it, just put it, put it off. And that, that's like hell on earth. That's the worst thing. So our job, our mission is to open people up so they can actually experience life before they have one of those conversations. So what is the truth is a, is a very dynamic question, right? And it's, it's pretty true. I mean, we, we all have, we put mile markers on when we think we can accomplish this. You know, maybe I'll, we'll, we'll go on that family trip, you know, next year when we have enough money saved up or, or all these points. But the, and in that route, you know, if you look at it, yeah, you, you can accomplish it now, but also even if you do have that set up for the point, they miss on even setting up the plan to get there next year. It's almost like you're punting it down the road and again, safeguarding yourself to the point where, where you, you're just saying to, for yourself to feel good, comfortable. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this trip next year, but really nothing's changed. And so if nothing's changing today, nothing's going to change tomorrow. It's never going to come to fruition. Yeah. It's, it, there, there was something along those lines that I, I heard Hal Elrod saying when I was, I was with him teaching a couple weeks ago and, and we were talking about his new book called the uh, miracle equation. And so many people have read uh, the miracle morning. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about the equation that he uses to have these amazing results for, for whatever, for sales, for accomplishing goals and a lot of it had to do with the very clear focus on a clear goal. So you actually know what it is. There's a, there's a compressed timeline. It's not 12 years. It's not even really 12 months. It might be two weeks. And, and having this focus and this complete commitment for that, it was because of who it makes you. And there's this, like, this divine providence that kicks in where all sorts of resources come from places you couldn't even imagine, but they only happen when you're actually committed and you have this, this, this hunger that like, you know, it's basically one of those, if somebody sees you, they get out of your way. Cause they're like, he's going to drive over me or through me because the, he's on fire. Like you just, you can't yeah. talk about how he's going. And that's what we need to find is, is that relentlessness. So that relentlessness taken on what you've done now, starting 50 companies. If, if we were to take it all away, your knowledge of all the industries and everything else, but you know how to start a company, what would be the first thing you would do today if you said, I'm going to start a company, I don't know what I'm going to start it in. I don't know, you know, the industry, you know, whatever, what would you do first? So there's two questions I would ask myself. One, what do I actually care about? And, and two, do I care about something that is a problem for other people? And when you match those two things up, what you find is that when somebody asks you, what would you do for free? It's the thing that you're talking about doing with your business. And, and the money becomes a side effect of the other things if people have a problem with that thing. So if you go, I love this thing, but nobody cares, you don't have a business. You just have a hobby. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, you're meditating, but are you going to get paid for that? I don't know. Probably not. So it's really, it's, it's that bridge between those two things. 
what would you do for free that you care about that wakes you up at night where you, you can't stop thinking about it, that like obsessiveness? And what, what, what how did, Matt, is there a problem that, that you're solving for people with that thing? You get those two together and you've got something that can absolutely, like magic can happen. Yeah, super points. And that is spot on, right? Just spot on. So thank you for that. There, Damian Lupo as a real estate investor, what, what is your core focus? What, what, what space do you like to play in? So I, after having gone through the process of chasing more houses and more dollars and, and it really having this just like focus on money, my, I realized that if I'm going to do real estate, it's not going to just be go, go to make some money. It's going to be to create something that I'm proud of and have something that lasts. So my focus is on creating beautiful real estate, um, nicer apartments that are going to continually pay. They're going to pay and they're going to, they're going to be around for decades to come. And I do those in places where I'm not worried that a recession is going to hurt me. I think a lot of times people, after a 10-year bull market like we're in, which is almost unprecedented, they forget that things cycle. And after having been through the last cycle and, and having my butt kicked, I think, okay, what can I do that's, that is recession-proof? And it's, I, I, you know, I like things, I like student housing, I like military bases, I like medical, I like mini storage, because people in America are freaking hoarders. And so is that ever going to go away? Yeah. Yep. be sicker. It, it's the hospitals, the military is not going to, I mean, I just like things where it doesn't matter if we have a recession because okay. these things continue to grow. So I'm thinking about that. And if your business can't stand a recession, I would be rethinking it right now. Really heavy. Yeah. Two of our students are uh, buying a four unit and it's, they're like, it's such a deal because the owner, he, he hasn't had income coming in in three years because he rents to his, his cousin in the one unit. He lives in the other and he's got two other units with, with his stuff in it stored. So I said, yeah, that's, that sounds like the spot on transaction right there. So just make sure he moves all that stuff out. <laughs> so, that's right. That's yeah. Unearthed opportunity in somebody else's problem. Ah, oh, that's great. So are, are you, is the focus, and you said for long lasting, are you focused on repositioning or, or do you prefer ground up? What, what, what do you find is your aptitude? So I like creating my own space. I like doing things where there's not a lot of competition. I prefer Blue Oceans, which is a great book, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Blue Strategy. And so I'm looking for, I do things that most people aren't playing in and that's because I want to carve out a niche. So building, building larger projects is, is not something that most people play in. Uh, there's lots of money to be made, lots of solutions to solve and problems to solve in every possible niche. But the, the unique niche that I spend most of my time in is, is unlocking people's retirement money so they can actually invest. And that's where most people, like there's $29 trillion sitting in retirement accounts and most of it's just sitting on Wall Street, you know, spinning around red and, and black. And people are kind of hoping that one day that mm -hmm. wake up and they'll have money there and th they'll have money, but it'll be in their broker's account. Like it won't be in the, like that's who's making money. And so the tool that we're, we've built around this is, is the, the EQRP that gives people control of their retirement money and real control so they can go do real estate, things that are real assets, not just the smoke and mirrors in Wall Street. Give us the high-level overview for people that haven't heard the term before or are unfamiliar with the process. So the EQRP is an enhanced qualified retirement plan. And in general, qualified plans are like 401ks, IRAs, all these, all these things that we have. There's tax strategy, tax deference. So the EQRP gives people the ability to have ultimate control of their money. So all the retirement money gets to be in a checking account that you as the, the, the controller, which is the trustee, you can write a check and invest how you want. You can invest in real estate. What a key thing that most people don't realize is that when they think they have control with an IRA, 
they don't. They have um, they have a custodian and they have an uncle called Sam, and he takes a big chunk of that that uh, returns in a thing called UBIT. And so the the little nuance, but it's important because if you're doing real estate, there's generally debt, and debt triggers an event with an IRA where you're going to lose about a third of your profits to to this tax, and that is exempt in an EQRP. So this is important for anybody that wants to do real estate stuff that likes real assets. You want to use the right vehicle, or you're going to be giving away a third of your profits. I mean, that's a huge difference, and it and a lot of people don't know this until they a project sells and they go, "Wait a second, why do I have a tax bill? It's in my IRA." Yeah, exactly. And it, that's a huge problem. Like when you think you're going to have a pile, and your pile just got cut by a third. That's yeah. Not good. So talking to the, the EQRP, you gave us some of the points here, and I'm going to ask a question. I'm not sure it doesn't really correlate, but just because we, we've talked on a philosophy on a recent show, um, the, the infinite banking philosophy compared to an EQRP, is there any pros and cons to one approach versus the other? And they don't completely correlate, but because I didn't think or know to ask the question on a previous guest, I'm going to ask you the question and put you on the hot seat. Yeah, totally. And, and I have a unique perspective because I used to sell uh, the the whole life type of insurance and, and these things that people use for infinite banking, banking on yourself, all these different concepts hmm. where you effectively become your own bank. Basically, you're buying life insurance and you get to use that the the cash value inside of it to borrow and, and to leverage. And and so that's a cool concept. It's um, it's a great strategy, I think, for people that don't tend to save regularly because you basically get a bill every month or every quarter that says you will pay this. And you're like, okay, I have to save because I got a bill. I think it's a great savings pro- program you're never going to get rich in that. It's going to force you to save money. Um, so it, it's like apples and oranges. It has a time and a place. I think most of America can't, well, I know it's a fact. Most of them can't cover a $400 emergency. So is it a great strategy? Heck yeah, it's a great strategy because it's going to save them from themselves. Yeah. So it's, they are, they're different things for different purposes. You're going to be able to use the retirement money like with the Roth setup. You're, you're, going, to be, you're going to make money and you can spend that money, all of it, tax-free you're not going to be able to do that with, with infinite banking. It's just, it's a different tool. So you could, I have a lot of clients that use both and they use them for different purposes. So I think that they're not really competitors because they're totally, they're used for different things. What questions should people be asking about the, the EQRP when they, when they first come to speak with you? What, what are the, the questions that they should be asking that lots of times they don't? Um, they should be asking, how do I learn more about this? Because I've never heard about this. And, and most, a lot of times we have preconceived notions. We either we have custodians or we have brokers. We, a lot of people have financial advisors or they just don't trust themselves. And so the question is, what kind of person am I? Am I a self-responsible person? That's the first thing, because if you're not self-responsible, if you're reckless, you should not go any further. You should just like turn this episode off right now and just like stop listening because you don't want to get excited this, because you're going to have all the control of your money. And for some people, that's probably a lot of folks that's actually not the ones listening to this because nobody spends 20 or 30 minutes on a podcast that's reckless. That's just not the person that's listening. They're, they're serious. So the question is, uh, do I want to do things that this thing will allow me to do? Do I want to do real estate and use one of, one of the biggest? I mean, here's an example. Mitt Romney has over $100 million in his Roth retirement account. Why? He's not dumb. And, and so... You know, if you want to have wealth, if you want to have those type of resources, maybe we should be doing some similar things to guys that have nine figures. I mean, perhaps that's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Is there a, a point that it makes sense for someone to 
start this plan? If someone's just starting out, is this the right plan for them? Is there, is there, a, 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 I guess, a space or, or parameters of, 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 a, of a group set of people that, that fit best for this approach? The, the most common and, the, and, the, and what I've seen is people that have, say, $50,000, $200,000 in, in an IRA or an old 401k from a previous job, and they want to do real estate, or people that already have an IRA that's invested in real estate, it's getting that converted over into an EQRP so that they can, they can utilize that money. I, you know, when, I first, when I first started in the late 90s and I bought my first rental house with a visa, I mean, I charged the dang house. So I don't recommend that. It's a terrible idea, by the way. The, the point of that, though, is that it was 6000 bucks that I used, and then I took over a mortgage. So I didn't even use my own 6000 I kind of borrowed it, right? Mm. And with, when people say, well, how much money do I need before it makes sense? I don't know. If you, can, if you have $6,000 in an IRA, which you could contribute today, and now you can convert it to an EQRP, you literally could go start something that would create millions of dollars in wealth because real estate has all the leverage, all the debt. It, it's not about the money. It's about your philosophy, and it's about your your vision. If you've got those together and you've got work ethic and character, it's not the money. Like you literally can create whatever you want to create wealth wise. Yeah. I love that. Well, Damon, this is, this has been an awesome show. Thanks for sharing so much. When you, when you think about the, the course of your next three to five years, what's on your mind? What, what stands out to you that, that you want to accomplish over the horizon of that? More of those calls and those comments by, by people that say, you know what, you opened my eyes and you gave me a tool and you gave me hope. And because of that, um, my life is different now. We had a, a guy that reached out and it's, I felt terrible, but he sent me a text message and he was at the park and he said, because of the work we did, because you, you gave me an opportunity and a tool to take, take this, this money out of Wall Street, I'm able to spend, I'm literally with my wife. She's not working. We're in a park with our kids and we have that time. So one thing like that makes all the work, you know, when, when you get beat up by clients or you just, the world's on top of your head, you know, stepping on your face, it's one client, one person, a human being that comes to you and, and makes a comment like that. It's like, okay, it's all worth it. So yeah. doing more of that, I mean, that's, that's what gets me up in the morning. Well, Damien, that's awesome. I love that. And that, that's just refreshing. And I, we appreciate that highly. So for people that want to reach out, learn more about you, learn more about your company, find your book or books, what's the best place to reach out? Uh, best thing to do is go to uh, qrpbook.com, get a, get a copy of the book. Uh, if you're on your phone right now, I'll make it even easier. If you just, you know, you text message. So text the word EQRP to 72,000. And that way you'll, you'll literally get the, the electronic book and, you, and we'll send you a physical one if you want. So just literally EQRP to 72,000 and you'll get connected and, and whatever I can do, get you a copy of the book and, and help you unshackle yourself. Awesome. Damien, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it, Jason. Thanks for having me. Thank you. This is Jason with the Real Estate Investing Foundation Podcast. Huge thank you to Damien Lupo. Thank you to all the listeners out there. Have a great day. Bye now.